Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. So we're kicking off this series, this new series called Love, Give, Serve. Um, and we're looking at, at the pieces that need to be in place to live out real life in Jesus as a church community how to love, how to give, how to serve. And in the midst of that, we're also gonna have our missions conference uh, right after the, the Give Week. Um, and one of the things that, that came to me is that, as I was just praying about it and thinking it through and, and looking at the, the basics of what it means to love because we've been loved and, and give because we've been given everything and serve because Jesus served us to the ultimate uh, all the way to the cross. Uh, he served us to save us. Um, the, the, the question that came to mind was, what else would I ever even think of doing in response to all God has done for me except to love and give and serve those around me? Yes, the kingdom. Yes, I love Jesus, but uh, that's, that's that relationship. But at the same time, he says, do this, be me. Be me to the world around you. Be, be love. Be, be, the, be the one that gives now and be the one that serves others, both inside the church family and, and into the, the, the larger setting of, of believers uh, in, in, your, in your life and then even to the lost around you. Um, and on the heels of, you know, last week with the, with the call to live a lifestyle of forgiveness, um, I think starting with love is, uh, is both a perfect fit and it's, the, uh, it's actually the heartbeat of forgiveness itself. When you forgive someone, like we talked about last week, when you step out and you cancel a debt, uh, it's the greatest act of love you can do. Because at the cross, the forgiveness of, that Jesus provided for all of humanity was the greatest act of love ever. So when we forgive others, we're acting like Jesus. And Jesus was always loving. God's forgiveness of us because of Jesus' substitution uh, for us on the cross, it's the greatest act of love ever. So we're gonna look closely at a passage that John writes to us uh, and walk that through today. Um, you know, we had Jesus, he, he came along on planet earth and uh, he changed everything and he, he proposed something uh, completely new and, and radical uh, in contrast to self-focused humanity. Um, you know, we are left on our own. We are self-centered, self-focused, um, self-gratifying. Uh, you know, sometimes we still struggle with that in following Jesus. Um, if, if, you know, if you've never f- struggled with being self-focused, uh, you are right now uh, because y- you have, you're human. But Jesus came along and he said, there's a new way of doing things. Um, and he told us how we're supposed to, to live differently now, how we're supposed to look at others and, and love them where they are, uh, how we're supposed to live our lives. And it's where the, the supernatural clashes with the, the human natural um, and he confronts it and says there's a better way, an eternal way to live so that abundant life happens here where we can discover our purpose and the joy of Jesus and, and so that, that we can go and, and, and see eternity set in the hearts of those who are lost because we're told by Jesus over and over in, in the New Testament to love your church family, serve them, give to them, be there for them, you know, help them grow. At the same time, we're told to go out to the ones who are lost, the ones who have left, the ones who are far from God and, 
and love them in the way that Jesus did. So we're going to camp mostly in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21, walk that through today. Um, so if you, if you want to turn to that in your Bibles or your, your Bible apps um, and just stay there, even if we, if, we, if we touch on a few other places, uh, we want to start there, 1 John 4, starting in verse 7, John writes this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. No one's ever seen God, but you live this way, they'll see God. That's what John's saying. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. He's talking about religion and, and duty and performance and earning. We love each other because he loved us. 1 John 4, 19, one of, the, one of the great scriptures, one of the great verses, one of the great sentences of all history. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates, his Christian, hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So our big idea today is I get to love. I get to love. The heartbeat of this message, the heartbeat of what John writes and what Jesus tells us in, in other places, what Paul says so many times, the heartbeat of, the, of it is this, I love others because God loved me first. That's what we have to live out of. If we can get that right, then really everything else in life will fall in, in place properly. So I'm gonna just touch on the verses here, chunks at a time. Maybe camp on a few here and then lead us to the, the point we actually get homework for the next, well, missions weekend will be homework free, but we're going to have homework assignments every week in this series. Um, or you can call it practical application if you hated school. Um, but uh, we have stuff we get to choose to do or just say, no, I don't really want to do that. It's our choice. I, I would say if you say, no, I don't want to do that, you'd have that in a prayer moment with Jesus and just... Let him hear that from your mouth. Um, and maybe say to your loved one, yeah, I don't want to do that. And then just, you know, let things fall where they may. Uh, verses 8 through 10, we see the heartbeat of John 3.16 here. It's interesting to read scripture in light of John 3.16 and 17. 
I challenge you to do that this whole year. We have, you know, 11 months left. I challenge you to, as you read scripture this year, as you're walking through whatever, however you read, it might be a one-year Bible or a daily reading or on a Bible app, ask the Holy Spirit, would you highlight John 3.16 whenever it just pops into scripture? You will see it over and over and over and over. And we see that in verses eight through 10 here. We're, and we're told that, that real love is based only from God's deep love for us. We're his kids, his sons and daughters. He made us and he loved us from the moment he made us. He loved us even before he created us, before we were born. He loved us when we were yet sinners. He's always loved you. You're his son, his daughter. Now he gets really excited when we say yes to Jesus because not only does he love us, but now he gets us for eternity. But we see the heartbeat of John 3, 16 here, that God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to step in front of the bullet for us so that we could say yes to him and have eternal life. Verses 11 and 12, it gets a little, a little hard to, to read some of that and, and, and apply it in some areas in life. So I think a good question to ask is how do I love someone who's unlovable or acting unlovable or believes they are unlovable? And so they're living that way. How do I love that person like Jesus did? How do, I, how do I love someone who's horrifically battling anyone slightly even caring for him or her? It's impossible on my own. I don't have the wherewithal to, to come up with a way to love someone who is so broke down and combative or maybe just even hates the idea of being loved or doesn't want help or doesn't think they need help or they're, they're so broke down they can't re receive the help. I can't break through that. But I know who can and he lives in me. So I let the Holy Spirit lead me in ways to love that person. The Holy Spirit knows what's gonna get that person's heart and mind and attention, what's gonna, what's gonna trigger them in a good way, what's gonna challenge them. Maybe even sometimes our love, uh, we don't mean to do this, but it pokes and prods somebody because they just, they've only had brokenness in their human history, so they can't, they can't let God through. And so the way we love them, it, it, it makes them deal with some things, and that's okay. Let the Holy Spirit love them from you and then just walk in it. But don't quench what the Spirit wants to do for those people that are broke down or full of themselves or wherever they, they find themselves on the need schedule. I asked myself that question this week. How do I love someone who's unlovable? And my immediate answer was, Lord, I, I let the Holy Spirit in me lead my heart in being able to love. And he's like, bingo, 100. Put, give yourself a star, son. I'm like, thank you. I just stuck it on my chart. No, I don't have a chart. Uh, I'd probably keep stars if I could. It'd probably look a little dorky, but uh, I always loved stars. I went to ACE, private school. Um, but I let the Holy Spirit lead me in this because it is the way of life to love others. Jesus says in John 13, it's this radical time. In, in John 13, he just, he'd been uh, talking, you know, they're having the Last Supper and and he tells Judas, he calls out Judas, and he's like, go do what you gotta do. And Judas gets up and leaves the room. And then Jesus says this, John 13, 34, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Now, a new commandment, love each other. When you hear Jesus, I would imagine if you hear Jesus say, I'm giving you a new commandment, you're gonna think, 
oh, this is going to just blow. Like, no one's going to understand this. It's going to be so rich and deep and like only me with the greatest brain ever and the, you know, the deduction abilities of Sherlock Holmes is going to be able to figure this out. And he says, love each other. Now, I don't think he said love each other and they were like, what? I think the way he said love each other, they went, whoa. Because then he followed with this, just as I have loved you. Hadn't even died yet for him, right? But the way he loved them in their three years together, the way he called them from them being unqualified or, or less than or overlooked or not in the religious elite, and he called them the way he commissioned them to go and to do this and that and, and the way that he brought them along so they could see him heal lepers and lame people and blind people and love prostitutes and, and engage tax collectors, which he had one with him. And so when he said, I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This is the way we love others now. The measuring stick is Jesus. If you're ever wondering, you know, I had this neighbor and he does this, or this coworker does this, or my spouse is acting this way, how can I kick them to the curb? If you're ever wondering that and you open up the gospel, you will never find a kick to the curb moment. You will only find him just finding way. Even the Pharisees who were religious and hated him and were plotting to kill him, he spoke in ways that would pierce into their hearts. He got to them. They just, some of them just said no. But we do see later that a lot of Jews, in fact, at the beginning, it was all Jews coming to know Jesus, the first Christian communities, and then the Gentiles were, were grafted in. How did Jesus love Somebody like a zealot, like Simon, modern-day terrorist, modern-day terrorist, and Jesus said, come and follow me and be one of the 12. Uh, if you're like, well, that guy's angry. I don't really want to love him. Zealot, what are you going to do? Uh, shyster, thief, you know, manipulator, mean. How about a tax collector like Matthew? And Jesus said, come and follow me. In fact, be a scribe. Write down my life. And we still read it to this day. A fisherman, stinky, probably some choice words coming out of his mouth. I don't know if fishermen back then did it like we make fun of them now. Uh, but, you know, they were just, they went and they did what their fathers had done because they weren't good enough to be in rabbinical school. They failed in religion. So they had to go and just bring in fish all their life. And Jesus says, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. So if we ever wonder, how do I love the unlovable or somebody who's combating me, um, and you open up scripture, you'll find the answer. Or you ask somebody who loves Jesus and loves you, and they'll, they'll help you find the answer. Or you ask the Holy Spirit living in you, and he'll just, like, uh, in a funny way, beware of asking the Holy Spirit, he'll have you do it right then, right? <laughs> like, if I read scripture, at least I can read it and sit down. Or if I ask somebody, I wait for their answer. If I ask the Holy Spirit, he's like, now. I'm like, no, I'm not ready. But this is the way we love others now. And it was new because it was based completely on what Jesus did, the way he did it. And here's the thing. It's really, really easy to love people. And it's really, really hard to love people, right? You're not going to have one all the time. 
You're going to be like, that was so, I love it, man. And then when you run into harbor, you're like, what is happening? It's easy and it's hard. You were easy and you were hard. And it's okay. When we live the gospel out, when we live in the reality of, of humans coming together and dealing with stuff, and we don't fake our way in Jesus, and we live a real gospel life, it's going to be messy. If you ever go to church and there's no messiness in there, I I'm just saying, I doubt they're living the gospel. They're probably living a to-do list. But living real, dealing with stuff, being vulnerable, being honest, being open, asking for help, uh, you know, just living normal life. No one comes to know Jesus and then lives their whole life and never has an iota of a problem. It's messy. So sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard. But if Jesus gives us something to do, you can rest assured that the spirit of the living God inside of you is fully capable and totally on board with making that happen. And if he says, go to that neighbor and love them, they've been hated their whole life. The ex-spouse can't stand them. The kids have abandoned them. They're very crusty. Take them some brownies and just ask them about their life. And you could be petrified, but almost anybody can make brownies. Or just go buy them from H-E-B. They're really good. And anybody can walk over. Just Bill Hybels used to say, just walk across the room. Just walk across the street. Just do something. If the Holy Spirit leads you to do it, it's going to be successful. And whatever he decides is going to happen in that person's life. Even if in the moment they're like, slam the door, take the, you know, take the brownie, slam the door. You're like, well, I did what the Holy Spirit said I loved outside of myself. I'm good. Because here's the thing, someday we're going to be called to account. We're going to be called before Jesus to give an account, and I don't think it's going to be what I accomplished or the job I had or, or, or what my stuff looked like. It's going to be how I built up the body of Christ and how I reached the ones that are far from God. The lost will never care for or save the lost. They either don't care or they can't. They don't have the capability the broken won't help the broken become healed. Only Jesus followers have something abundant and eternal to give, and it should cost you something. And I'm not saying you lay down your life all the time. Willingly, you lay down your life. But it should cost you something, time, energy, uh, a listening ear. Uh, this is my 15th attempt. Uh, what, uh, financial, whatever it is. It should cost you something because when Jesus gave everything because he loved us, it cost him and the Father and the Spirit. In verse 11, Jesus re uh, John sorry, reiterates Jesus' mission and the way of love, you know, coming and seeking, to save, seeking and saving the lost. And he reiterates how we are, we are supposed to to live being Jesus to the world around us. Since God loved us that much, it's costly. John says, we surely ought to love each other. I get to love. I get to love. I don't have to love. I get to. It's a big difference there. Verses 13 through 15, it's this beautiful picture of the Trinity God working in us and from us so that, so that others can be, can be found and saved uh, by, by the very same God that, that, that found and saved us. Verse 13 says that the Holy Spirit enables us to love like Jesus. So if you struggle to love the way you know you're called to love, let the Holy Spirit out. Just let him loose. 
Verse 16 to me just struck me this week as I was reading it and realizing, you know, it's John, it's Jesus' best friend and disciple who's writing this years later. And, and these words were obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit. Everything in Scripture, we're told, is inspired by the Holy Spirit, given to men. Uh, but, but the Holy Spirit is the one that actually writes it and lets men, you know, pen it on paper or whatever. It's approved by the Holy Spirit. But, but these words are still born from the heart of John. And he's telling us that he didn't learn what love is from a class or a doctrine, or a well-followed rule. He literally experienced it. Jesus held him closely, loved him unconditionally. And when you love others, they need to, to know you're loving them. They need to experience it. Good thoughts towards someone, uh, well wishes, thumbs up on Facebook, those aren't evil at all, but they are not love. Because love has to be experienced and love has to be Jesus doing something that we know is we know is real in my face, in my presence, in my mess, hearing my voice. It's not well wishes. It's it's in in the space of love does something. It is something. It gets felt somehow. I mean, do you ever read that Jesus' love for anyone was held in his mind and not acted upon? You don't read that in scripture anywhere. Jesus never is like, I was thinking about that guy and I wished him well and to the Father. And we don't see that at all. Jesus always did something and people knew. In verse 18, you see this root of fear. Uh, John's telling us, hey, if people, if people live in this fear-based performance mentality that, that, God, that they feel God's gonna punish them, um, th- they're forgetting that they are fully and completely forgiven and loved by God. And, and so they're not living free. And so my challenge to us as we love others for Jesus to be him to others, we gotta deal with the stuff that keeps us from being free, not living a life of earning or wondering, oh, I wonder if God's pleased with me because I did this and this and this. I hope, I hope, he, I hope he does something good for me this week because I did this for him. We can't live that way. That's fear-based living, John says. So be set free. Man, get a freedom ministry appointment and get some great people to pray for you. Come up here to the altar for prayer. Go to Cultivate on Sunday nights and learn what, what it means to deal with some stuff specifically and then step into the, the truth of who you are, your identity in Christ, and, and live out of that. Freedom is, man, I'm a child of God, and I don't even think about it really because I'm so free and living in that, and I don't have to ever wonder if I'm not a child of God. But this unselfish for others, they need Jesus, God love me first, new standard love, that Jesus talks about is seen so clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. Paul writes this, and I'm going to read it from the message because I think it's so powerful, the picture it gives us. It says, God comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. These are trials and afflictions and sufferings. 
They include both like internal anguish that we go through and, and feel and the, and the hardships that happen to us uh, in our physical lives. Uh, as, we, as we live on a, in a broken world and, and even as we deal with, you know, hardships because we follow Jesus. It says he brings us alongside someone else. The purpose of God's aid is to enable those of us who've been helped by him to help others who are going through the exact same type of thing. I get to love. I get to love. He loves us as a dad. So if you read it like in the NLT or the ESV, it, talks, it uses the phrase, the word comfort so many times. Because he loves us as a dad, he comforts us when we go through things. But he doesn't comfort us so that we'll just be comfortable and never have to deal with anything. He comforts us so that we can bring others the same comfort that he's given us, so that we can be him to other people who are going through the same thing. And it's exciting to bring hope and resolution and, and, and joy and peace into people's lives. God loves being able to do that for us. And he wants us to know that same excitement. He wants us to get that same type of thrill that he does as we give to others so they may be comforted. And only you get it. Only you understand that or recognize those feelings and and, and know that struggle, sickness, some type of disease, a divorce, depression, fear, shame, anger issues, moral failure, loneliness, financial struggles, addiction, self-centeredness, death of a loved one. You've been through that and God comforted you as you walked it through and now he says, would you be that for these people? Because I did that because I love you, but I also am asking you to be me, be my arms, be my heart, be my words to them. And if God came alongside you when you went through that thing or those things, his plan for you is to come alongside someone else. That's how you get to love. Love others in a tangible way that's constant, that's consistent, that's unconditional, that, that with this love that's gracious and compassionate, understanding and patient, forbearing and forgiving, because sometimes they're a, little, they're a little prickly, and so you'll need to forgive them while you're loving them towards healing. And even if it doesn't make the smallest iota of difference to the person at the moment that you are sacrificially and genuinely loving is still the most incredible act you can do because you're acting like Jesus. So here's our application opportunity. Here's our homework for the week. Who will you love this week? And I'm not talking about looking at your wife and going, man, I love my wife. I'm talking about being a comforter to those who need comfort. I'm gonna read it to you in the, the same passage in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians from the NLT. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Who's needing comfort that you need to go and be a comfort to because God walked you through that? What person, what couple, what family needs you 
to love them in this time, in this moment. Take time to to pray and ask the Lord, is this the one? Or is this couple the the couple? Is this family the family? What do they need from, from you? Let me be that to them. It may be they just need to be invited over for a meal because everyone shuns them. A cup of coffee, some kind of help. Maybe just a listening ear that says, tell me how you're doing. For real, I wanna hear. Time. What do they need? Who are they? Take time to pray. Ask God to prepare their hearts as as you love them with action. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray a prayer for you and I'm gonna ask you to receive it. And then we're gonna worship a God who gave everything so we can have eternal life after we die, but abundant life while we're here. Because that's amazing. So would you just put yourself in receipt mode right now as I pray over you? Lord, I pray for every son and daughter in here. And I ask that God, you would bring to mind that individual, that couple, or that family who needs to be loved by you through each one of us this week. I pray that it be crystal clear in our mind. The person's face would pop up or their address or their issues. They would just come to mind right now and we could commit to you right now. Lord, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna love the way Jesus loved. And not only is it a new way that will break through the, the bondage and the walls and the deception of their lives, but, but it'll also show them that you're really real. Help each one of us to, to say yes to you when you bring them to mind and then show them real love. And Holy Spirit, where we don't even know what to do for that person, how to do it, would you just do that through us? We trust you, Holy Spirit. You're fully trustworthy. You love us and you love that person. Whether it's a broken down follower or one who's far from God, you love that person. So use us. Lord, if everyone in here could go to one or a couple or a family, we'd see... 500, 1,000 people loved this week for, from heaven. 500 to 1,000 people this week. God, if we'll all say yes and then do it in the next seven days. So help us to do that. And maybe some in this room, they're the ones that need to be loved because they're just so broken. Would you send us to them? And if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you, personally as Lord and Savior Jesus, I pray that they would today say, I want to be loved like that. And they would understand that all they have to do is say yes to your invitation to eternal life. And that's where salvation begins and discipleship then continues forward. But if anyone's lost in here and never made that decision, they're far from God, they're, they're one away from the 99, I pray they say yes to you. They come home or they say yes for the first time. But help us to be a church that loves the way you love because we are first loved by you. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.